Good afternoon. So today's passage we'll be reading from Hebrews 1, um, verses 1 through 5. But a lot of you guys probably may not know who I am, so I think it's important that I give you just a very general uh, introduction. So my name is Anthony. I've been a member here with our church for about a year and a half now, and I've sat faithfully under our elders, our pastor, and our deacons, and I'm very blessed to be a part of a, such a phenomenal church. Um, and like Jason said earlier, we really are committed to teaching the scriptures and doing all that is commanded in, in the word. Um, so as a member of our church, I believe that the Bible, all 66 books, is perfect and complete. The Bible is inherent and was written by man, but fully inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is the word of God that we can see the redemptive story of Christ revealed to us, and we ought, and that ought to be the foundation for all rules of life. I believe that we've served one living and true God, eternally existing in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They execute unique, but perfectly harmonious rules, or our offices, in regards to all facets of life. I believe man was created in the image of God, who has always existed from eternity past, However, we have rebelled against our holy and perfect Lord and incurred a physical, spiritual, and an eternal death, which has now caused a separation from our Lord. As a consequence of Adam's sins, we are all born with a sinful nature that knows no other but to actively rebel against our holy and our perfect Lord. Apart from the Lord actively changing our hearts, we can never be delivered from our sin, and we all will continue to, to sin. And we'll never be able to rest eternally with our Lord. So now, if you are willing and able, we all stand for the reading of God's word for us today. We'll be reading from Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 5. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through him also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the power of his word. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did a God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Let us pray. Dear God, as we, as we sit here on this Lord's Day and, and worship you, um, just let us actively be reminded of, of who you are. In spite of everything that's going on in our world, Lord, you are king now and forever, and you will continue to reign. Let us look to your word as a holy, perfect description of, of everything that you are, and, and, let us, and, let, and let the word change how we think of you and how we, how we worship you. In your name we pray, amen. You guys may be seated. 
So starting with an introduction of, of Hebrews, um, I, I don't want this to be a, a, a passage on, on the book of Hebrews as a whole, but for, for, for this specific passage, I do think it's important that we actually have a, a, a brief background, a brief understanding of what Hebrews is, is teaching us today. So the book of Hebrews is, immediately starts with declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is a better prophet through which God's way of salvation has been revealed. Hebrews was written by an unknown author to Christians then, and I think it's relevant for Christians now and Christians today. It provides both an exhortation and encouragement for our Christian life and our walks. So the overall flow of the book is very sermonistic in such that a way that it places a huge emphasis on the glory of our Lord and places an emphasis on how God speaks and how we ought to receive and hear the word. So I'm going to have three, pain, three main points for us today. The first point is recognize that God is sovereign in his word. Recognize that God is sovereign in his word. So let's begin with verses one in the first half of verse two. So long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So before Christ came to earth as man, the Lord would communicate through various means. Um, a lot of these times there be dreams, uh, visions, prophets. We can see a reference to this. So for example, think of Moses in the burning bush. However, church, it is important that we understand and that we recognize that the Lord now only speaks to us through his word. Martin Luther provided this very defense when he argued against the Roman emperor at the Diet of Worms. 1521. I'll quote, I cannot submit by faith either to the Pope or to the council, because it is as clear as noonday that they have fallen into error and even into glaring inconsistencies with themselves. If, then I am not convinced by proof from Holy Scripture or by cognate reasons, if I am not satisfied by the very text I have cited, and if my judgment is not in this way brought into subjection to God's word, I neither can nor will retract anything. For it cannot be either safe or honest for a Christian to speak against his conscience. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. End quote. See, Luther recognized that our conscience must always be bound by the scriptures. The scriptures are which bind our conscience and where we ought to derive our absolute authority from. This is also one of the great sayings of the, Ref of the Reformation. Sola Scriptura. Scripture alone. Paul's second, to, Paul's second letter to Timothy, he wanted Timothy to also know that all scripture is theopneustos, literally meaning God breathed. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. In context, though that was probably referring to the law and the prophets, it has implications for all of scripture. The Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, all 66 books are literally God-breathed. Our knowledge stems from what is revealed in the scriptures. Christianity ought to be based upon what is defined in the teachings of the word of God. We must stand firm against what others seek and persuade us to think and believe in light of, of the scriptures. 
we must stand firm and also how the Bible teaches how we ought to honor and worship our Lord. See, the Bible also bears witness to how God not only chooses to reveal himself, but also tells us how we ought to worship him. I mean, isn't that such a lovely picture? Just think of today, we're singing the word, we've read the word, we're proclaiming the word, the word is now being preached. Under guidance of our faithful pastor and our elders and our deacons. Let's turn with me for just a moment. I want to read some verses from John chapter 17. So Christ is, in, in this specific passage, Christ is diligently praying for his disciples. That they may be kept, that they may be sanctified, and that they may be glorified. I want to focus here on a portion of sanctification. So starting in verse 17, 17 through 19. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into this world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Again, we see Christ is praying for his disciples that they may be sanctified by the truth, but specifically the truth of the scriptures. He's also praying that the disciples may love and adhere to the promises that are declared in the scriptures. This is not just some partial truth or even some hidden truth. The scriptures are the entire truth, without error, without deficiency. I want to challenge you guys today. Do you believe that the Bible is perfect? Do we desire to learn more about our Lord each and every day? Do we trust and believe that everything that is commanded to us in the scriptures is perfect and useful for edification. Last week, if you guys haven't listened to Pastor Travis's message, he preached a phenomenal passage on Psalms 19 concerning specifically the law of the Lord, the Holy Scriptures. I want to read a portion of, of Psalm 19 for us, for us today. Psalm 19, 7 through 10. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than they are gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. This is a portion of scripture we should remember daily. We should fervently be upholding the scriptures as the utmost authority in our lives. It is authoritative over our lives, and it's the axiom of life, faith, and practice. We should desire to be in the scriptures daily and look to our perfect word or look to the perfect word of the Lord to provide us with what we ought to believe, to provide us what is, with what is true, what is holy, what is just, and what is right. I implore you guys to love the scriptures and recognize that the entire scriptures from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, is a perfect revelation of our Lord. It showcases his complete and perfect plan for redemption, that God reigned as king from the beginning, and he is still reigning now, today, and he will continue to reign to the end. 
our second point for us, is remember that God is sovereign over the earth. Remember that God is sovereign over the earth. So, second part of verse 2 through, through 3 is, But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of, thing, of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. See, the author of Hebrews is writing to inform the Christians that not only has God spoken through the scriptures, but that Christ continues to sustain the earth by the word of his power. It's much too easy to just assume that gravity will continue to work today like it did yesterday. I don't see a lot of you guys holding on to your chairs for dear life. We don't bolt our chairs to the ground, and we don't, like I said, we don't hold on to them. We just assume that it's going to continue to work like it did. See, nor do we worry that the air we are breathing will continue to exist to provide our lungs the oxygen that we need to survive. So what do we do in instead of that? Well, we plan for our big vacations. You know, we, we plan for our futures. We plan for our retirements. Probably thinking, you know, what am I going to go eat after this? We just safely assume that the future will be like the past. Today will be like tomorrow and so will the following day. As Christians... We can have hope that the future will be like the past. We know that we have an all-powerful Lord who contains, who continues to maintain and sustain the earth. Every molecule continues to remain under the absolute reigning authority of our Lord. God spoke the world into existence. Neither did matter or any substance exist prior to that. Systematically marks the beginning of time. So in Genesis 1.1, we read, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The reference to the beginning is exactly that. It marks the beginning of time. See, Augustine, he thoroughly developed the concept that the Christian doctrine of creation is creation ex nihilio, out of nothing. Nothing existed before. There was no matter. There was no particles. There was no time. There was no space. When God spoke, that marked the beginning of everything. That is the Lord that we serve each and every day. See, his creativity is nothing like ours. We cannot merely just make something or wish something to existence. We must take matter which already exists and formulate it, put it together. So I can't wish that my peach cobbler would just appear, even though I really wish it would every day. You know, it requires flour and sugar and cinnamon and peaches and more sugar. However, the Lord, he's breathed everything to an existence. He breathed substance into existence, and thus marked, again, the beginning of time. By God's decree, he can make things out of nothing. Next nihilio. And by his decree, he continues to sustain his creation. Isaiah 55, 11 declares, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. You guys might be asking and thinking to yourselves, how can we remain faithful during times like this? How can we remain steadfast when churches are literally being persecuted? 
where their power is being threatened to be shut off. Where the Supreme Court in our very own state has ruled that churches cannot meet more than 50 people, but, can, but casinos can continue to operate at 50%. How do we remain faithful when the biblical view of marriage has been marred? How do we remain faithful when our society not only has legalized, but praises the murder of 3,000 babies a day just in the United States? This is nothing new, guys. Justice like this has been going on for centuries. Our only hope is found within the scriptures. Our hope is contained in the fact that Christ was crucified and rose again, as the scriptures have promised. The Lord will have judgment. He will continue to strengthen the church amidst the injustices that are done against her. Think of Joseph in Genesis 50. You guys want to turn there for a second? See, God is not the author of sin, but he certainly has allowed it to happen. We do not know his purposes for allowing sin to continue to run rampant in our lives, run rampant in the earth, in our governments, in our cities. However, we do know that sometimes God allows evil to accomplish good in the lives of his people. So, in Genesis 50, we have Joseph and his brothers throughout, throughout really Joseph's lives, his brothers were constantly trying to get rid of him. Having, trying to have him killed, trying to have him imprisoned, enslaved. After Joseph's father dies, preparations are being made for the burial of his, of his father. And the brothers begged for, for, for forgiveness. Now, we don't know if the brothers were telling the truth or if they made this up. But the point that I want to make and the point that I really want to focus on today is, is really just the response that Joseph provides. So Genesis 50, starting in verse 16, they sent a message to Joseph saying, your fathers gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for, I'm in, for, am, I not, for, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring, about all, to bring it about that many peoples should be kept alive as they are today. So we don't always know why the Lord continues to permit sin to happen. We don't know why we're constantly facing injustice every day. However, we do know that everything has a purpose, both for the good and for the wicked. There's consequences to actions, both good, both for, for the wicked. Proverbs 16.4 says, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everything and everyone is accountable to our Lord. All of creation must answer to a holy, perfect, loving, and a just God. Christ has spoken the world into existence. 
And our response is to worship him. He's worthy of our worship. Not just on Sundays, guys. Husbands, fathers, we ought to be teaching our wives and our children daily how to worship and honor the Lord. Let us teach our families how we ought to show praise and adoration to our God. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Revelations 4, 11. Christ has spoken. He continues to sustain our world, and we are responsible to him. Point three, rejoice that Christ is king. Let us always rejoice that Christ is king. Let's look at the rest of our passage today. Starting in verse 3, he's the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. The focus of the opening of this letter in this book two of Hebrews here is now shifts to the sacrificial work that has been completed by Christ. Our responsibilities to honor him. See, Christ came to earth to fulfill a mission. Levitical law required that a blood sacrifice was made to atone for our sins. And either it was usually poured out or it was sprinkled as a sign of purifications. Bloodshed has been spilled. Christ has paid that penalty for us. Earlier, Eric read to us Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Ephesians 2.8. Christ came to earth to make purifications for our sins. And now, currently, today, he sits at the right hand of God. See, Christ sitting down indicates that the need to continue to make these purifications for our sins is complete. The need to have, to have a blood sacrifice is done. He then ascends after he fulfills his mission and after he, he comes to, to no longer require blood sacrifice for our sins, he ascends to a place of absolute and supreme authority. He is contrasted here to the angels to showcase that he is superior to them, that the angels worship him. He rules over them. Furthermore, to be called son is referring to a much more intimate relationship to God. Guys, how often do we think about a king over creation, humbling himself to the point of a mere servant. How often do we reflect over the fact that Christ reigns supreme over all of creation, over the angels, over our churches, our governments, our lives, our jobs, our kids? And how often do we remember that he's the image of the invisible God? Colossians 1, 15 through 20, we read, He, Christ, 
is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. All means all here. Christ is Lord. He is King. All creation was made by him and everything was created for him. You guys ever go out of town and just find a quiet or beautiful place and just sit and relax and, and to think about the absolute awe and glory of what is being showcased right in front of you? regards to creation specifically. Sam and I, we went to the Grand Canyon for our anniversary one year. Never been before up until this point. I vividly walking up to a, there's a little viewing area where you can oversee, oversee the canyon. So I walk up to the edge. I look down and I just stopped. Couldn't move, I couldn't speak. I remember looking down in just absolute awe barely see the Colorado River that runs through it because it was so far away. So I'll never forget that moment. It's just that feeling of being so small, just humbled by the marvelousness of our Lord. Now, if you've never been to the Grand Canyon, pictures do not do it any justice. I remember making jokes on the way up. I was like, oh, it's not going to be that big or it's not going to be that much of a sight. It's just a big hole or a big canyon. It's much more beautiful and magnificent than just what is showcased in photos or what is showcased in movies. This is a work of the Lord and his mesmerizing craftsmanship. He's crafted things like that. I know that there are sins and wickedness around us. We live in Las Vegas. You don't have to go very far to see that. Let me remind you that the same king who has uniquely crafted the Grand Canyon, same king who has uniquely crafted each and one of us here today, is the same king who is the head of our church. Same king who continues to hold molecules together and continues to allow gravity to work the way it did, continues to provide oxygen and air to each and one of us each and every day. He continues to maintain and hold and sustain everything together. Nothing happens outside the will of our Lord. May we constantly look towards Christ and remain confident that what he has spoken and what he has declared in his word is perfect and true and just and holy. Recognize that Christ will be magnified in the scriptures. May we never forget that his will will come to pass and that everything that occurs occurs within the will and the sovereign, perfect will of our Lord. Let us never stop rejoicing that Christ is King. 
He's king over our families, over our churches, our cities, our government, our nation. And we as Christians, our sole duty, and really the sole duty of everyone, is to be obedient to all that he commands. So for those who are here today, or are listening to this message, let this be encouraging to you. May we never forget that our Lord is in control, and we can find comfort and hope within his perfect word. See, the Lord has spoken, and we are solely responsible to him in all that he commands. May the scriptures inspire you daily, and draw you closer to our King. Now, if you're here and you're listening to this message and you know that you need forgiveness for your sins and you want the hope that is obtained only in Christ, Scriptures tell us how we can have that forgiveness. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confess your sins, repent, and ask for God's forgiveness. And trust in your heart and your mind and your soul that Christ is king now. And he will continue to be king tomorrow and the day after. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Let us pray. Dear, dear God, thank you so much for who you are and everything that you've done and everything that you've provided, Lord. And I just pray that just we continue to remain hopeful and look towards you in spite of everything that's going on, God. We don't always know why things happen. Sometimes it's hard to not honor you and glorify you and worship you in, in light of those things occurring, Lord. But constantly remind us you are king, you will reign, and that nothing happens apart from your will, Lord, that everything that occurs on a daily basis is, is inspired, and, and you continue to sustain everything, God. Let us have hope and peace and be comforted that what you have spoken in your word is true and perfect, and let us continue to encourage us and recognize that you are king king over their world, king over creation, Lord, and we constantly rejoice in the hope that you've given us. In your name we pray. Amen.